0: You're about to listen to an episode of Legally Fond. This episode is brought to you in association with LawSchool.ie. LawSchool.ie is Ireland's leading provider of tuition for the FE1 or King's Inn's entrance exams. Each course is delivered live online with a specific exam focus and supported by the latest manuals. Shorter, pre-recorded workshops are also available, and courses commence every year in June and November. Register anytime at LawSchool.ie, and for a 10% discount on any course, just use the discount code Fond. Now this is coming to us live on Legally Fond Sport. Alex MacDonald is at the Young Ireland Podcaster's Chase. Alex, what's the latest? And here comes Legally Fond coming around the corner, chopping up the turf like there's no tomorrow in the Yep Ireland National here in New South
1: Wales, Australia. But oh no, Entrepreneur of the Makey is coming round! Oh, what has happened is an absolute catastrophe. Legally Fond has turned over on himself, thrown the jockey Gavin down off the back. You can see his trainer Pierce over cheering him on in the stands there. And geez, I've got 50 quid under them as well. Come on, Legally Fond, Come on. Oh, no. Catastrophe. He's already gone and dusted himself. The Yap Ireland International was his for the taking, and he's only lost it to Otter in the making of the last five meters of the race, and he gets fifth at the post. What happened? Oh, no. It's
0: this episode of Legally Fond we're covering the Victoria Park racing case. It's an Australian case, g'day Sheila, and it's an early one from the 1900s. We wanted to cover this case because it's kind of funny, and also because it shows that sometimes when you're going to court you have to really give a few arguments and try your best to convince the court that your rights have been breached, even if they haven't. So in this case they decided to argue that their privacy was breached. Failing that, that their copyright was breached, and failing that, that they were victims of nuisance. What do all these things mean? Let's explain in Legally Fond. Alex, tell us what happened. It's very suitable for Legally Fond, I think. Uh,
1: This fella, right, he had a back garden beside a race course. Now, obviously the race course would make money out of gambling and broadcast rights, and uh, people paying in tickets to to the stadium and all that. As the lovely free market determines supply and demand this guy saw an opportunity he allowed a local radio station to build a five meter high platform in his back garden which was directly beside the race course so he would charge them entry and it created an illegal well not an illegal at the time but an off-site gambling industry the radio centers would climb up the platform and announce the results so really there's many different issues going on in this case and i'd say it probably breaks about 100 different bylaws if you if it happened today but at the time it was a bit different it was 1937 in new New south wales australia obviously it's going to be a little more bit more complicated
0: this guy was a pretty canny guy setting up the the little sand in his back garden and renting it out to the radio station fair play to him what do you guys think
1: say this has probably happened before in ireland i'd say somebody's probably thrown up a bit of scaffolding outside the local guy club just you know not even for money, I'd say.
0: Maybe even just for kicks. You could say the guy was uh, an entrepreneur in the making, I guess.
2: I certainly would. I think they're the uh, the skills of enterprise and innovation that should be championed nowadays. And I only wish there was a resource out there, um, some kind of online media, a podcast or something that really brought this into people's homes and, and, and told told us all how we could benefit from these entrepreneurial skills.
1: Tort law and privacy law and, you know, property Rights with regard to broadcasting sport events should really have kicked into play here uh, against this entrepreneur in the making, but um at the time, close decision at three two in the uh, High Court of Australia. So I'm afraid to say they probably got it wrong on this one. Reading the facts of the case, like I guess you assume that there's something like you could find something wrong here, or you could find a law that he's broken. Whether it's, but I guess we're looking at it through, looking at it through 2020 vision was but, but um you know 19- <laughs> that
2: was a really good one. but in
1: 1937 you know there wasn't all the kind of faff about health and safety and all that kind of crack like it was just well, he's not doing anything wrong it's like you know the that movie where it's like the dog there's no rule that says the dog can't play basketball it's like no he's literally just built a scaffolding looked into a stadium and then yeah
2: the is thing is a... i think i like you like you say the health and safety aspect of things nowadays and and also probably the um stricter planning regulations you know it's not like the costa del sol um in spain where they just let them put up the uh, the the concrete jungle and i don't think it's quite celtic tiger ireland where you're building on floodplains. i think nowadays it would probably be you, you'd have you'd have a case in your hands try and justify putting a five meter platform up in your garden
0: I think that's a really good point, Alex, because you can clearly see something wrong has happened here. And the racecourse are quite aggrieved that somebody is peering over their fence and broadcasting information on the radio about the races that are taking place behind closed doors in the racecourse. So if you were the lawyer and the racecourse came to you, what kind of approach would you take? What advice would you give them?
2: My advice would have been to to, to build a higher fence um First place before pursuing legal action, um, save the
1: legal fees and just sort like
2: yeah, or buy, buy him out of it. Like uh, I, I can understand because they they do bring up this interesting concept. um, This kind of I think they refer to it as a quasi-property, which is finding a property right in a spectacle that if you put on a show or or a performance that that yeah. is your property, and uh, you know it, I, it's it's kind of a bit airy fairy. It's, it's it's not particularly tangible. And they, they did, the court, the uh, 1930s court said, yeah, it's, it's basically kind of, you, you cannot have a, a metaphorical property right on, on something that's taking place. It's, it's not fixed. But uh, it's an interesting argument nonetheless.
0: Now, you can probably have yeah, a property does. right if you film that spectacle. The film in itself would have a property right. But yeah, as you said, Pierce, just looking at the horses racing around the track, there is nothing that the race course owns in that spectacle or that event.
1: They probably would have saved a lot of money in legal fees if they literally had just built a higher fence. Like
2: yeah, that. or That's or you or you think they'd say, listen, right, we're we're obviously missing out on an opportunity here. Build a, a proper set of commentator boxes. Bring the guys in. You know, um, you offer them better facilities. Whatever. Say yeah, you can you can broadcast with us, well, and uh, you know it'll be cheaper the
1: money. Off gambling. That's what they're. Uh, it said in the judgment that it was only a couple of years afterwards that this kind of off license gambling was sort of was regulated. like no, I, do you know what? I, Pierce, I think that's the best thing you said on this podcast. Is just build a higher fence.
2: I, I I'm ashamed that I didn't think of it first. It's the inner pragmatist in me, Alec. <laughs> So one of the issues that came
0: up in this case, among many other, was the issue of privacy. We might start by discussing that, because it's quite an interesting one. They said, With regard to the question of privacy, no doubt the owner of a house would prefer that a neighbour should not have the right to look in his windows or yard, but neither this court nor a court of law will interfere on the mere ground of invasion of privacy. With all the data protection regulations, like the GDPR that we have protecting us nowadays, and certainly the cognizance about privacy... Although maybe we don't we aren't so cognizant by our actions about our privacy. This seems very unusual, doesn't it? That the court wouldn't recognise that invasion to privacy was a, a legal wrong. As much
1: as law is found in a very strict set of principles, you know, it does reflect society in some way. And, you know, Nobody had a smartphone in 1937 and nobody could see where you were at all times or what you were saying or what you were texting. And they didn't know that, you know, what you wanted to buy before you bought it. It's, so it's a, you know, it's a different cultural context. And now to us, it, it seems especially weird, especially, you know, I was watching a, a little documentary on the social credit system in China, which is absolutely abhorrent to, you know, many rights, not just privacy. Yeah. Like, yeah looking looking back, it's just bizarre. Maybe if it was a uh, against a person and not a comer- like in a commercial context, they might have uh, gotten away with it.
0: But just that sentence where he says that, you know, you might not like your neighbor looking in your window, but the law isn't going to stop your neighbor looking in your window. Do you think that's satisfactory?
1: Well, no. And you have to consider the fact that, you know, as we've seen in law before, a more sympathetic plaintiff can sometimes get a different result. And I can't imagine uh, race course being that sympathetic and blame to you know it could have been different, even though they said it wasn't. um, It was a tight majority. It was only 3-2. They
2: even suggest that, like you say, um, they can't even enforce uh, keeping the status quo as it is. Uh, They actually recognise that a neighbour has the right to build more windows if they want to. If they want to spy on you even more and make you feel even more uncomfortable, the court says they're perfectly entitled to do that. And uh, that seems... Bizarre nowadays, like you say, when even the placement of windows in planning permission applications is, is so scrutinised as to how it, it might affect somebody next door, and that that goes into to another topic in land law, I guess, is easements, which is a kind of a, a right. Let's say a right to have a particular amount of light fall on your property, and whether the construction of of a building might might um Render render that right uh, impossible. So so all that stuff is quite interesting nowadays in a modern context. But um, yeah, it it does seem bizarre that the court is saying, well, sorry, tough. There's no right to privacy. The best we can suggest is you you should draw your blinds.
0: Random example. This is from New Zealand from a couple of years ago. So in. I think it was Auckland, in the city centre. There was this big office block with floor-to-ceiling windows all the way up for about 20 or 30 storeys. It was an insurance company, I believe. And there were people on a Friday night sitting having a drink in the bar across the road and they looked up and they noticed what appeared to be two people having sex through the windows on about the fifth or sixth floor. So they thought this was hilarious and this obviously livened up their conversation a little bit so they decided to video these two individuals having sex and they were both in their you know office attire at the time and this went up on Facebook and it went totally viral around the time now one of the tabloid papers ended up doing a bit of digging they found out who the individuals in the video were the guy was married with kids and he was having sex with a younger receptionist in the company who was not his wife his his identity got published i mean from a case like that where does this right to privacy start and end? Like, is this right to privacy being violated when people are taking a video of him from across the road? Or is it violated only when his name is published and when he's tracked down?
1: God, like, you actually couldn't get any more cliche.
2: Yeah, you're you're really painting a picture for us there, Gavin. Uh, I, look, I, I think it's just ridiculous. I mean, if you are... That if you're, I mean, like, look, this man is fully aware, obviously, that he's doing something um, certainly not necessarily legally wrong, but morally wrong by having this uh, adulterous affair with uh, with a colleague. And then on top of it, he's doing it in plain sight. Um, It's like he's asking to be videoed nearly. So um, I think, you know. It was a performance. I, 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 yeah, exactly. Well, and and as we've seen, there is no property right in a spectacle, and that was a spectacle. <laughs> I have no doubt for those people, those patrons in the bar. So I have no sympathy whatsoever for him,
1: Alex. Yeah, it's very hard to to have sympathy for that kind of
2: carry on. For that, for that kind of yeah, that carry on.
1: Piercy said there's a there's a legal question and there's a moral question. So like he wasn't doing anything legal, but it wasn't moral. Is it? You know, in a sense, publishing it it might not be illegal. Whether he deserves privacy or not in law is kind of almost a question of fact but whether you should publish that sort of information whether you you know i think it's, it's called doxing online where you release somebody's address um and name and it you know it can lead to quite serious consequences so legally speaking as i have ranted on this podcast before about uh freedom of expression i think should take precedent but whether you should publish somebody's name or somebody's address online or in pub- in the public domain um, is a different question morally.
0: Yeah, you're, you're probably right. You know, if you're having sex in front of a window in the city centre, you can't reasonably expect other people not to see it. But then to the point where the tabloid is publishing your name and where you live and what job you do so you are completely identifiable, you know, that's that's going to the extent where people can track you down and it lingers with your reputation. It's damaged your reputation forever, I guess. So, that's an
2: example. You know, back to yeah, the ponies. Back to the other riding. You caught that. No, I think, that's, I think that should be the soundbite that he uses to advertise <laughs> it.
0: So, the next legal weapon that this race course had in its arsenal was copyright. So, it argued that it had copyright in the signs that were on the race course, which said which horse was coming in which place. So therefore, by looking over the fence and reading off those signs and announcing those results on the radio, this guy standing on the sand was breaching their copyright.
2: And they didn't because it was factual. I think that's quite interesting, particularly in a modern political context when you have all this debate over what is what is objectively true and what are real facts. And and there's that, you know, kind of Orwellian phrase that Trump used when they were reporting on the crowds at his inauguration. And he says, we had an alternative set of facts. And I think that the word fact has really changed in however many just shy of 100 years since this case was heard in Australia. And things aren't as clear cut as they used to be. So that is um, that is, that's really interesting, I think.
0: But do you think there's, there's merit to saying that there's no copyright in facts?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think that um, the freedom of the press, which Alex loves so much, hinges on the fact that there is no copyright on facts, that if something that's in the public interest happens or something just happens, uh, I, th- there should be a right for anyone uh, who, who is aware of those facts uh, to report it within reason. So, yeah, I I think it's absolutely critical that there isn't. There isn't. Somebody can say, well, sorry, I actually own this set of facts and I can choose when or when not to publish them. That's a very good point.
1: As long as you use the Oscola referencing style.
0: I'd just like to say, in advance of the next section that you're about to hear, Pierce's address has been bleeped out and censored for privacy reasons. So they took out their next legal tool, which was nuisance. Now, nuisance is a legal wrong, whereby you interfere with somebody's enjoyment of their property. So examples might be if you are living next to a quarry and they are digging and blasting rock all day long and they prevent you from sleeping. That's an example of nuisance. If you live above a shop and they're, they have deliveries, all time of day and night, and that's preventing you from going about your business, well, that's an example of nuisance. In this circumstance, the racecourse was saying that this guy, standing on the stand, commentating on the racing as it was happening over the fence, was interfering with the racecourse's ability to use their property and enjoy their property. Pierce, do you buy this argument at all?
2: Well, just something that's just dawned on me here now, because the, the court found that the they broadcasting doesn't interfere with the enjoyment or comfort of the racing patrons but let's say you know if you're in a bar and it's really quiet uh, and you know let's say there, there's this new bar that is you know opened up down the street and everybody's gone there and you're in this quiet pub and there's no real atmosphere i think it would interfere with my 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 enjoyment or my comfort in that environment perhaps that could be said for the racing course as well if, if it's empty Dull. There isn't that rush and energy and excitement of people throwing down bets, and you know this just the, uh, you know the packed kind of stadium feel, the rush you get from it. I think I wouldn't be enjoying uh, it as much.
1: Well, obviously you wouldn't be joy- enjoying it as much, but I don't think the sort of nuisance extends to the you know unfortunate for well for some anyway, not for the entrepreneur in the making. Forces of supply and demand. Yeah, it like it interfered in the sense that it drew customers away. But it didn't directly interfere with them putting on a show or, you know, putting on their, their spectacle. It's contradictory to their own points about, oh, well, you know, your neighbor spying on you. Close your blinds. I think that that's a, that's a different, they're, you know, treating it as a completely different argument. But realistically, if somebody's staring down at you through a telescope, your next door neighbor is anyway, then obviously that would interfere with your enjoyment of the property.
2: It's like the, um, the Hitchcock film, Rear Window. Uh, and i think it's jimmy stewart plays the guy and if he, if he wasn't being so nosy if he wasn't looking through the telescope and have seen the fella um chopping up the wife or whatever it was and burying the oh, wasn't spoil that, Simps-
1: that was the simpsons episode
2: as well wasn't it it was like uh, yeah i was i was kind of aiming for the more highbrow Culturally, stuff, cultural uh, capital <laughs> really yeah, fond, yeah. But yes, it was yes. a Simpsons episode as well. Yes. <laughs> but surely, that's that's
0: an interesting Brilliant. example, Alex, of the guy staring through the telescope, looking looking into your property. It would only affect the enjoyment of your property, surely, if you knew he was looking at you through your, through the telescope.
2: Yeah, it'd make you feel uneasy. I mean, obviously, you'd have to be aware of it. That's 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 an interesting one uh, because he's not making you feel uncomfortable. You you know that feeling though when you know you're being watched. Presumably that would become quite apparent soon enough if, if, if somebody was staring over the fence or something like that. Until you're made aware of it, there's no issue.
0: Because I think that's the, the whole concept of privacy. See, I think one of the, uh, the first definitions of privacy was the, the right to be left alone. And your autonomy is reduced if your privacy is compromised. If you know you're being watched, there are certain things that you won't do. In cognizance that somebody is seeing you doing them you know
2: but but that's like anything I mean if you're doing something illegal it's not illegal or sorry it's it's not uh, you're not suffering any consequences of the illegal act until you're actually caught so this guy it, you know nowadays if you were looking in through somebody's window with, with with a telescope that's that's something you're not allowed to do just because the person who you're watching isn't aware doesn't mean you're not breaking the law kind of thing it's just it's just when they're caught that 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 you know you You get your comeuppance
1: if you start saying that only when you're caught for doing something wrong that it's illegal it's that's a pretty slippery
2: slope like oh no i'm not not suggesting that but i'm saying like um you know that's that's the kind of mentality behind these peeping toms or whatever you call them I'm, I'm, i'm looking out my window now the only person watching me is my dog there's bloody nothing out your window pierce you live in sticks yeah but there's always there could be a fella in the bushes or something (laughs) <laughs> well,
1: they're, they're a bit strange then.
2: Stop giving away, breaching my right of privacy by issuing my address on this thing. This is the second time you've done it. It's had to be caught every... Address. My address is... What? I'm not exactly giving Google Maps coordinates. Would you stop? They'd find it pretty easily. It's it's
0: the biggest house in...
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: mansion. I
2: don't, I, I don't live in
0: here's a privacy question pierce a- alex what? saying where you live the town you live in is that a breach of your privacy do you think
2: genuinely um i think it, it it depends on whether that information is publicly available already like if i'm in you don't have them nowadays i'm talking like i was around when they did have them but uh you know the the telephone books the aircom books they're making the last golden pages this year i believe is really oh so they're still going but basically yeah if i was listed in a registry or or like the the golden pages and i had the address and the phone number down then presumably that that information is out in the public domain it's accessible so somebody could get it if they wanted to so so why would i take issue with alex issuing it but to my knowledge i don't publicize my address for good reason i'd probably be swamped with fan mail from the uh the listenership of legally fond of course
1: um, You get get groupies coming down And standing outside your gate or something That's
0: it for another episode Of Legally Fond Before we go Listen we just want to say thank you so much I know we had the Yap Ireland Podcasting People's Choice Award over the weekend Last weekend And we were begging for your votes But you turned out in your droves And for that we thank you so much We made it to the semi-final It was pretty much 50-50 until nearly the end But unfortunately we didn't get it but all hope is not lost. There is still the big prize to be won. Oh,
2: well, well,
1: we're ready to win it, aren't we? Like, yeah,
2: 100%. absolutely. I'm behind Sorry. the team. I'm backing us. I'm willing us on. And for those of you, you know, Gavin has very kindly only thanked those who did vote. For those of you who didn't vote, I hope you're happy with yourselves. I hope you can sleep at night knowing that we have been deprived of the People's Choice Award.
1: 521 people who did vote for us you know, you guys are the real MVPs. And yeah, as Pierre said, if you didn't vote, well, no comment.
0: Alex, tell us what we can look forward to on Legally Found over the next few weeks.
1: For our season finale, we're interviewing constitutional law professor Dr. David Kenny from Trinity School of Law. So that's going to be coming out in the next couple of weeks. We spoke about what the constitution could look like in the next uh, 5, 10, 15 years and where things are going with constitutional law worldwide. And we discussed the addition of socioeconomic rights in the constitution. So tune in we can still win the overall prize for the app Ireland student podcast um which is judged by a panel of new talk hosts uh, or even our category which we've entered under which is society and culture although you know considering pierce's sketch maybe we should have entered under company that's what you think yeah your
2: support is, is as always much appreciated so my one fan the fa-
1: the fan mail to the south of the country is that vague enough for you the south of the Irish state um, would be immense. I'd say on post would have to. They'd have to, you know, give you your own bloody van. Yeah. Can
0: we? Can we just say this is episode eleven? We've made it to episode eleven, isn't it, Matt? Oh.
2: Jesus! After all the the feuds and the the fights and the disagreements, we came out swinging.
1: We're actually we're going to have our own Netflix documentary in about uh, fifteen years.
2: And Pierce will be the Carol
0: Baskin of the documentary.
2: You're the big Carol Baskin fan, as listeners will remember, the defender of the woman who killed her husband and buried him in the <laughs> septic tank, and/or fed him to the tigers. <laughs>